0: That movie sucked. I kinda liked it.
1: Movie Night Crew Network
0: Harry, 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 said Lockhart, reaching out and grasping his shoulder. I understand. Naturals want a bit more once you've had that first taste, and I blame myself for giving you that because it was bound to go to your head. But see here, young man, you can't start flying cars to try and get yourself noticed. Just calm down, alright? Plenty of time for that when you're older. "'Yes, yes, I know what you're thinking. It's all right for him. He's an internationally famous wizard already. But when I was twelve, I was just as much of a nobody as you are now. In fact, I'd say I was even more of a nobody. I mean, a few people have heard of you, haven't they? All that business with he who must not be named?' He glanced at the lightning scar on Harry's forehead. I know, I know. It's not quite as good as winning Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award five times in a row as I have, but it's a start, Harry. It's a start. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 6, Gilderoy Lockhart. This chapter starts with a howl. A howler, that is. On their first breakfast in the Great Hall, Ron receives a howler from his mom in the mail, screaming at him about the whole flying car debacle. The Golden Trio has their first day of lessons. They go to Herbology, but before Harry can step inside, Gilderoy Lockhart pulls him aside and gives him a talking to about pursuing fame recklessly, obviously grossly misunderstanding Harry's intentions. When they get to herbology class, they're working on mandrakes that day, which is like a baby plant that can bring people back from being petrified or cursed. In transfiguration class, it becomes quickly apparent that Ron's wand, which got broken in their encounter with the Whomping Willow, is simply not fucking okay. He can't do anything. During their lunch period, they go outside into the courtyard. We meet Colin Creevy, who super obnoxiously is like asking for a picture, And Draco shows up and starts making fun of Harry for this. And then Gilderoy fucking Lockhart overhears and comes at Harry and is like, Colin, why don't you take a picture of the two of us instead? And then is like, Harry, you know, I really saved you there. You can't go around asking for pictures. I helped you because I'm famous and you're not famous. He's literally so annoying. Colin, Draco, and Lockhart. That statement applies to all three of them. They go then to Defense Against the Dark Arts, Um, where (laughs) Professor Lockhart gives the class a quiz on himself. The only person who gets all the answers right is Hermione Granger. And he goes on to unveil this cage full of blue Cornish pixies. And he's like, we're going to fight these guys. And then he sets them free. And his weird bogus spell doesn't work because nothing he does works. And he leaves. (laughs) Everybody leaves. And Hermione just really casually immobilizes them. And puts them back in their cage. The chapter ends with Ron being the first person to insinuate that perhaps Gilderoy Lockhart has not done all that he says he has done. You may remember that in last week's episode, I said that we were recording during a thunderstorm because we live in the Tidewater region of Virginia and it's hurricane season. So what season is it? It's hurricane season. It was thunderstorming when we recorded the last episode, and it was thunderstorming when we recorded this episode. My guess is it will be thunderstorming when we record the next couple of episodes, because it is hurricane season, and Mother Nature stops when Mother Nature wants to. Also, global warming, so maybe we should do something about that. I don't know. For now, just listen to this podcast about Harry Potter. <laughs> Welcome to the Restricted Section. I'm your host, Christina Kahn. I just learned today how to do an introduction for a podcast episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud of myself.
2: Did you go full wiki how or did you do a YouTube tutorial?
0: I just started listening to other podcasts for the first time ever and I've noticed that they just start by saying the name of the podcast and then the name of themselves, which is an interesting approach, but I'm liking it
2: so far.
3: It makes sense, really, when you think about it. If you think about it at all, really, it makes sense. <laughs> I don't
2: know. We lose all the character of you saying, okay, we're starting now seven times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you, Brooke. How are you doing today? Doing fucking fantastic. It's been storming all day. I got legitimately startled by thunder for the first time in years. Yeah. My poor pug has been having a panic attack consistently throughout the entirety of today.
0: Oh, oh, no. Mary Payton, how are you doing? I'm
3: doing great. It's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we've made it halfway through the normal work week.
0: Said with so much confidence. Right. (laughs) We've done it. And our very special guest today is Jason Caldwell. Jason, we are so glad to have you today. If you could start by just telling us a little bit about your Very Hairy History, um, how you know the podcast, and tell us what Hogwarts house you're in.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I actually read a Harry Potter book, the first one, and I listened to the rest of them. It was great. I was working a night shift at my job and I was able to listen to them all the time. I knocked them out really quick, so it was good. Um, the guy who does the voices for the audiobooks, I can't remember his name, he's a real famous, like I think a Emmy award winner.
0: This narrator is Stephen Fry, by the way, kids.
1: It, and his voicing is great. So if you've ever listened to the Harry Potter books, you know what I'm talking about. They're great. I'm a Hufflepuff. I was shocked to find that out. I really was. But um from what I know, it fits me, as I've been told by my beautiful wife. And who? I'm sorry. Who's your beautiful wife? Say, uh, my wife is Mary Peyton. Oh, oh, interesting. That's,
2: guy.
3: That's me. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> me. Hell yeah.
3: Well,
0: So we're ba-
1: I'm a Hufflepuff married to a Slytherin.
0: So. Oh, same. I'm a Hufflepuff married to a Slytherin, too. Oh,
1: awesome. awesome. It's a little bit
0: of like one's a cat, one's a dog situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I'm the dog. Pretty, pretty,
3: pretty accurate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being here today. I'm very excited to have you on to talk about Gilroy fucking Lockhart,
2: the Wizarding World's greatest yeah, Yeah, what a prick. (laughs) Let's just start with that. Gilderoy Lockhart does not get half the amount of hate owed to him because on a scale of like Molly Weasley to fucking Voldemort, he is firmly (laughs) sandwiched between Percy and Umbridge. And I do not think he gets the hate that he deserves for being in that slot. I think he
0: doesn't get a lot of the hate he deserves because he is one of the few people who gets what he is due
2: in the end. Where... gets carried off by trolls. Oh, yeah, feel you're like right, that's you're also right. pretty... Or centaurs. By yeah. centaurs, centaurs? Don't be dramatic. <laughs> Troll centaurs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're not going to get too much into exactly how shitty of a person Gilderoy Lockhart is because we are planning a whole bonus episode on our Patreon feed about Gilderoy Lockhart the Wizarding World's greatest grifter. So, if you're not already subscribed to our Patreon account, definitely hop over there for those exclusive bonus episodes. The last one we did was about Trans Wizard Harriet Porver and the Bad Boy Puerus Office. Damn, I nailed that title. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself. And our next one is going to be, yeah, a behind the magical bastards, Ildebray Lockhart. So, join us for that. Amazing. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very excited. So, we start this chapter on the first
2: day of term. We start with. The howler, the wizard's version of an all caps email. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point.
3: Not just all caps, but also reply all,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so, reply like y'all.
3: literally everyone can see it.
0: CC uh, the whole office and tell you what an idiot you are. Yes, <laughs> I like that it starts. Um, so it's Mrs. Weasley screaming at Ron. Okay, okay, okay. So they, they go to breakfast, and Errol falls into. Hermione's beverage and he's carrying this red envelope and we don't know what it is. Harry doesn't know what it is, but Neville is like, dude, just open it. It'll be better. Like it'll it'll be fine. It'll just get it over with. And so Ron opens this letter and it starts screaming at him. It's Mrs. Weasley's voice. It starts in the middle of a sentence. That's my favorite part. Like she's just so beside herself, she like isn't doing it properly. And I think um if anyone has seen this movie, that scene stands out in your memory.
1: We were talking about this earlier at the dynamic of the the ending of the letter, which we'll get to, I'm sorry, um, versus the book versus the movie at the visual portrayal of the letter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The movie definitely, like, um, the Howler really comes to life in a way that it, like, doesn't necessarily in the books. And yeah, it does a little, like, raspberry at the end, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) Honestly, I feel like that would be better low key to be yelled at physically by the letter because then there's something to focus on that's not just you and the like screaming words of your mother in front of all of your friends as a 12 year old boy i cannot imagine (laughs) yeah just bury your head in your hands and pray
3: Yeah, I love that it says people kept looking around for who who was the owner of the howler, and all they could see was the crimson forehead (laughs) of of Ron because he's below, he's like ducked down below the table.
2: My favorite moment that's not in the movies, and the movies it like rips itself up here. It bursts into flames, (laughs) and I immediately thought of the like arrested development quote where she's just like it just makes me want to set myself on fire like
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm wondering is there is there like more than one like when you're creating a howler do you get like different options of how to end it like you can end it with a raspberry if you're not that mad or like you can end it by bursting into flames you can you can end it by ripping yourself to
2: shreds like how angry are you? A, a dev- it's a drama level because yeah. wizards are all about the drama the drama and so it's a matter of how dramatic you really want to be with this setting yourself
3: on fire is pretty much as dramatic as it gets it definitely seems like the one in the movies just to be clear we watched the movie literally last night (laughs) um because my sister was over she's a year older than me she's she's 34 and she's never read the books or seen the movies wow that's like a rarity and I didn't know that until we were partway into the movie, and she was asking. Um, <laughs> she asked, <laughs> "Who's that kid with like, the glasses?" Yeah, she was like, "So why are they being so mean to him?" Because the movie, you know, it starts with the Dursleys, yeah, um, or something like that. Oh, I see wow. the right stuff, and I was like, I just stared at her for a second. She's like, <laughs> "What?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" So it was really interesting to watch the second movie with her because I think the second movie is so goofy. But anyways. My point was, in the movie, I definitely think you get to pick your type of howler because it takes on also the shape, the very distinct shape of like a woman's lips, too, as it's yelling at Ron. And I definitely didn't get that feeling from the book that it takes on any sort of shape. I just imagine this letter there and then sound emitting from it.
0: I don't think Molly would really want herself to, like, look comical like that. Like, she doesn't want to be origami. She wants to put the fear of God in her son right now.
2: How do we think a howler is made? Do we think that it's, like, a special, like, envelope that you just scream into? (laughs) Do you think that we, like, write something with emphasis and the howler just kind of, like, brain melds? I I think Molly had to scream that herself, for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, I think I think you would
0: like enchant a piece of paper so it starts listening to you and then you would scream at it and then you and then you put it in like an enchanted envelope like it's you enchant the whole maybe you don't have to like buy a pack of howlers ahead of time. You just know you're going to get mad later.
2: (laughs) Just have some at the ready. I mean, if you have what is it like seven Seven children? Yeah, you're going to need a howler. You're going to need just, like, a a Lifetime subscription to just drop them off in stacks of 30 every month or so.
0: (laughs) I bet Fred and George have gotten a Howler before.
2: I imagine that Fred and George, if they've gotten Howlers, and I'm sure they have, they would probably, like, gather their friends around to be like, oh, we got one. Like, (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: okay. That's probably
3: true. It probably stopped working for them after, like, maybe the second
2: one. Have you guys ever, like, maybe this is just me, but have you ever had, like, all of, one of your friends put their parents on speaker while their parents are doing something shitty, like, unbeknownst to their parents? I don't and think been, that's like, ever happened to me. Everybody listen round. I've had some, apparently I just have shitty friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I definitely had one friend in college whose mother had, like, a really, really thick southern drawl. And uh, she would say some pretty ridiculous things. So when she would call, it would go on speaker, and we would mute it because the the stuff this lady said. She actually, my same friend, got out of like a bad nannying situation where she was living with the family in New Zealand. Her mom sent her the most amazing voicemail I've ever heard that included the line, "You give them kiwi bastards a big old American eagle yell." <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which I love I love everything about that at first when you were telling the
3: story I was like man if I were a parent I would hate that if I found out that was happening I would be so embarrassed and so angry but then like obviously you guys ended up being so impressed and like proud by her just like being so ridiculous and awesome so right all right so after the howler at breakfast McGonagall goes around
0: and passes out their term schedules and the first thing they have the day is herbology so the golden trio walks down to the greenhouses and um professor sprout is there with professor lockhart and they are coming back from bandaging up the Wamping willow
2: and we get this awesome description of Haley. i mean professor sprout (laughs) i have to read this because literally i was like this is this is Haley Simkis. This is, Professor Sprout was a squat little witch. That's probably the one thing that you can't say. She's squat little. little witch is little. Who wore a patched hat over her flyaway hair. There was usually a large amount of earth on her clothes and her fingernails would have made Aunt Petunia faint. <laughs> this Aww. is Haley's bog witch persona. Like, yes. this is her. I couldn't agree anymore.
0: And disgruntled at being approached unexpectedly.
1: <laughs> By a prick
0: by a prick oh god stay away pricks Haley doesn't want anything to do with you
3: i wanted to say one thing real quick about the description of hermione because she's been bad mad at harry and ron since they arrived so um carelessly at the beginning of the term so um it says earlier as they're walking down to the greenhouses at least the howler had done one good thing hermione seemed to think they had now been punished enough and was being perfectly friendly again like such a Hermione thing, and I appreciate that. As someone, I, I, when I read it, I was like, "That is me." Like, if I think someone has not actually learned their lesson yet, yeah. I will not let go of something. Jason can tell you this. I will not <laughs> let go of it until I feel like they really understand and feel what they've done. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> whatever. I can say it. you can't. <laughs> um, no, but it's true. Like I just felt that. And that's such a Hermione thing. Like she really just she just wants everyone to to learn and to grow. She's always having to babysit. She's and lawful.
0: To, she wants there to be yeah. justice served as well.
3: For sure. And she I wants definitely want there to be remorse. hmm Yep. And I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you, Hermione. All right. So so Professor Sprout
0: has professor Lockhart with her. Um, And she's like, fuck this guy. Let's go to class. And Gilderoy Lockhart is like, let me talk to Harry for one minute. Is that okay? And professor Sprout like grunts. And he's like, great. (laughs)
2: Literally (laughs) Gilderoy Lockhart comes in so hot as the actual embodiment of toxic masculinity, mansplaining plants to the herbology professor. And I mean, mansplaining mis- only... everything to everyone at all times.
1: But he's not mansplaining with actual knowledge. He's bullshitting <laughs> well, his way that's through. That's the
2: it. point of mansplaining.
1: <laughs> well, Usually, yeah, you know what okay, you're talking well, about, and
2: they're just telling you again.
1: Right, I get it, but like he, literally Brooke, you're kind of mansplaining
0: to Jason right now.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm just, kidding, I'm just I,
2: I have just, an aggressive personality.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and I just feel that uh, he. The persona he's trying to perceive—I forgot that word
0: portray—is Portray.
1: so outside of what he could actually do. He 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 bullshits so much anyway. I just he he's a prick. I hate he's, it.
3: He's all hot air. Yeah, yeah. and his his bullshitting—I feel like has been building for so many years. He's written too many books about it. It's just like his bullshit level has gotten way too high. It's like the what so many years beyond what he's actually capable of.
0: Honestly, what ultimately happens to him when he loses his memory is like sweet, sweet release from the world he has built for himself. The only other option was to be disgraced. And so like at least the way he ends up, he can, I mean, he doesn't, he's not disgraced. All right, let's move on. Um, (laughs) So Lockhart is like, come with me, Harry Maboy. He's like, I know I gave you the publicity bug back at Flourish and Blots but you can't be flying cars that's crazy talk so like just it'll come don't worry one day you'll be famous like me
3: <laughs> And I love that he says like you know when I was 12 I was a nobody just like you and he's like well I guess I guess even less of a nobody um at least a few people know about you like he's the most famous person in the and world And sa- that's like sure. I feel like most of the things he says are incredibly ignorant and just obviously self self self-absorbed that one. I feel like he's got to be taking a jab at someone who he realizes is technically more famous than him, or at least as famous at 12. Like he's got to know that Harry Potter is known all over the wizarding world. And I, I feel like he has to know that. And then he's just like, kind of jealous because this kid is only 12 and didn't have to do anything
0: i don't know i think he might just be in denial if you lie enough you like forget what you what is real
3: how do do you know that christina
0: because i've seen the movie us and i think about it all the time (laughs) (laughs) have you guys guys seen that do you know what i'm referring to no
2: god damn it well all you listeners out there know exactly what i'm talking about (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, the worst part of this for me was the constant repetition of the "hairy, hairy, hairy." Oh my hairy, god, hairy, oh. hairy,
1: hairy. I'm it kind—it's
0: like, kind of reads kind of, like "oh, sweetheart," and it's like no, like bless her heart in yeah. Southern speak. Bless so your heart. Tell me, tell me, like who? Like, are there any other characters that you can think of that are like Gilderoy Lockhart in like any, like anywhere in literature?
2: I would say that Gilderay Lockhart reads, like, the introduction we get to Mr. Darcy, almost. Oh, but, like, a little more, like, shiny and golden. Darcy is like, yeah. dark Lockhart. I know. I'm just... I'm but, like, so... the pompousness? Yeah, the pompousness, the, like, stay in your place, that I know what's going on, I know what's better for you kind of deal. You know? I, yeah. I know there are so many
3: characters like
2: that, and I...
3: Well, the reason I asked is
0: because I couldn't think of any. I'm like, this guy's so singular.
1: You could say Littlefinger, but Littlefinger's more smooth.
0: Oh, Littlefinger's not bad. Mm -hmm. And, like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't lie about his past, but he definitely, like, maneuvered to his current status
3: Mm -hmm. in, like, a not necessarily straightforward way. And I'm sure plenty of times he talked himself up in ways that weren't accurate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Little finger. Well done.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: The The only other one I've got is hmm, deep cut uh, musical reference. There's a musical called the Fantastics that is really quite good. And these parents hire these actors to stage a kidnapping of their daughter so that their son can save her And it's this whole big thing and that actors come in being like, Oh, we've done this thousands of times. Like we're absolutely the best people for the job. They have this like a very minor bit part in the overall like show, but they take a hundred percent of the jokes and a hundred percent of the like self-importance from the entire musical. (laughs) So that's a bit of a a deep cut, but if anybody likes the fantastic,
1: (laughs) I'll have to look it up
2: i sing it a lot right now because it's got uh, a, a what the more the best songs from the fantastics is called soon it's gonna rain so every time i see the clouds get all dark i'm always like soon it's gonna <laughs> rain i can't see it and i'm just gonna like bop Aww. around my house <laughs> so wholesome all right well then then harry gets to
0: go to herbology they're working on mandrakes which as we all know comes up again later to say the least
1: foreshadowing
0: a mandrake is quote a small muddy and extremely ugly baby and th- i mean is that that's just like a baby right
1: babies <laughs> don't
0: usually end up in right. mud they, they well, touch little... everything what tzatziki or like boogers whatever it is <laughs> i have drama with babies and tzatziki okay apparently
1: <laughs> well think about think about a baby When you pull the mandrake out, pull the baby out, they're both screaming and freaking out and gross. So it's the exact same thing. Then you got to put it in a towel, put it in a new pot, plant it, shut it up, feed it.
0: Yeah, someone's been to herbology class, Jason.
1: Uh, Yes, I know how to plant some stuff.
0: He's been there twice. (laughs) (laughs) So um, (laughs) what is that? An inside joke?
3: No, he just has two kids. Oh
0: oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, "What is like? What is herbology mean in y'all's? Relationship?
1: And, okay, and I, I get it. I get it." Things.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> your kids gardener. are old enough to be cute again.
1: I got twelve and thirteen right now. Well, she'll be twelve in a few weeks, and uh, she's okay. He's he's an idiot. He doesn't think about anything past a foot and in the front of his face. Oh,
0: he's, yeah. he's a, a Gryffindor.
1: It's aggravating. <laughs> he is a Gryffindor. Yeah, he got sorted to Gryffindor. And Dusty's a Hufflepuff, so my daughter's a Hufflepuff.
0: It's good
3: for your oldest to be a Gryffindor.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't rule. Really, uh, okay. All right. Anyway.
3: <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, though, because like you said, he like doesn't really pay attention to anything unless it's right in front of him. But as I told someone the other day, I think my sister... um so come on, I was like, sometimes I get so frustrated with him because he won't, he won't get out of his own world and like pay attention to other people and what they might need. But as soon as he as soon as I yell at him about something and say, like, pay attention, like wake up. He, his apologies are just like so beautiful and sweet and heartfelt. And you can tell that he really did not know and and didn't understand <laughs> until and you yelled. <laughs> and it's such a Gryffindor thing to be like, oh my God. That's Maybe why, I shouldn't
0: have taken the flying car.
3: But that's why that's why Gryffindors, even though they're A-holes, they're still so popular and people love them because they can just apologize for it and everyone loves them. Like a privilege? dog. Like a dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Oh, okay. All
0: right. So they're in herbology class. They're doing the mandrake thing. They are given earmuffs to block the sound, which is not what earmuffs are designed
3: for. No. You can get earplugs for that. Also, I want to know how I have a couple of questions about mandrakes and the fact that they their scream can kill people. So like, first of all, are these a plant that can grow just anywhere and can muggles find this plant uh randomly? Second of all, that's like, that's an issue. Second of all, how did they, how long did it take for them to figure out to put on earmuffs before pulling one out? Like how many Mm. people died and (laughs) had no idea why they died? Wow. or just were found in the garden
2: dead.
1: Yeah. Wizards have been around for thousands of years. Right. So they headed down to a science.
2: What if they they knew exactly what they were doing and it used to be a thing where you were just willing to sacrifice yourself to save your like family and friends from the basilisk like you would pick a sacrifice from the village to go pull the mandrake.
3: Oh my god. <gasps> there has to be another way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because then they would die whilst just like holding the mandrake. I'm sure they didn't have time to Oh yeah, then, and like, then the mandrake's <laughs> just like out in the
2: open. How hard can it be to break a baby's neck? I don't know that I want that on air. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like if you, Jesus Christ. If you, like, really quick, like, yanked it and pop, like, slapped it. <laughs> She's doubling down on, on the baby bird. <laughs> she... So
0: what um, you need to do is plug your ears and then, t- and then pull the mandrake out with
2: your toes. I like that Hogwarts composts. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's Me nice. too.
0: Yeah. I mean, they probably don't have a great uh who who has to vanish all their trash? Ooh,
2: that's what I'm saying. Ourselves. house elves. House It seems like they're at least repurposing food scraps. So yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that is nice.
0: So they're repotting the Mandrakes. They meet Justin Finch Fletchley.
3: Christina. Yes. I would really love a discussion about one of my questions, which was these plants that are magical plants Uh, do they grow what if i'm like do they grow in muggle land true 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 true. i think we might need to
2: consult no there's no book for this i i feel like they might fall under the same category as like the dragon hunters that we know that the wizarding world has where like their whole job is to go around after dragon attacks and like erase people's memory and like men in black this shit So, like, I could see there being if there's like, you know, there are there seem to be at least a couple of departments that has to do with like muggle wizard interactions Mm -hmm. and like muggle protection. Basically, I could see there being like a plants and potions division. I want a CSI show of the plants and potions division.
1: (laughs) That would be good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right that would have to be like a such a
3: strong division i'm picturing like men in black but for like invasive species like my right. my mom's a landscape architect and she's her whole life is just plants and i can imagine her some of the discussions she's had about issues with plants and invasive invasive species and i can't imagine having to hide that from it, an entire the general populace too. right yeah
0: I don't have a good answer. Like maybe the only mandrakes out there are domesticated. Maybe Uh, only professional herbologists grow them.
1: You know, wizards white minds all the time. So,
3: yeah, I know. I just, I don't feel like that's a good enough response just because.
1: Well, they're like men in black. They got people that come out when an incident happens and they wipe people's minds. They clean up the area. You seen how quick they can flick a wand and clean up a whole room or do the dishes. So what's wrong yeah, with but, cleaning up a catastrophe and then wiping minds? And
3: but that's after like an event or a person, which you can remove right. from a place like a plant you can try, but you can't really remove an entire species of plant out of a place.
1: True. True.
2: I don't know why I'm so upset about this.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) mandrakes
2: are a real plant. Google has just informed me that exists in a non-magical variety, although uh, equally deadly. (laughs) It's super poisonous. (laughs) Um, But if that's the case, then I would say that maybe it's kind of like a GMO scenario where it's like the wizarding world has like slowly but surely cultivated an ultra potent form of mandrake that they can use for the purposes they need to use it for.
3: Okay. I can definitely get behind that. So you're saying like these plants are kind of regular muggle earth plants that the wizarding world when in their care has added magic to. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) I was not going to be able to sleep tonight until I got something like that. Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) That's my best bet. I'm assuming uh, they have like professional uh, whatchamacallums. Yeah, whatchamacallums people, Botanists. Yeah, professional plant peoples. Botanists. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> or They've got botanists that are just like slowly like enchanting normal plants or like selecting for certain variations to make them into magical potion ingredients. Hmm. I
3: like that.
0: So we meet Justin Finch Fletchley.
2: Whose only role
0: in this entire series is to be afraid when Harry comes at him with the parcel tongue in a later chapter.
2: He also comes out with the really great line of, and you're Hermione Granger, always top in everything. And I was like, Hermione's the top in their relationship between her and Ron, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, she knows what she wants. She doesn't fuck around. Like, let's just get down to business. I'm not here to play. (laughs) Always on top, knows what she wants. She's ready to go.
0: Adult Hermione. Obviously, they don't Adult have sex Hermione. until they're at, o- over 18. And married. Obviously. And married. <laughs> There's When could they possibly have found time to fuck? When there they're was... on the run from Voldemort. <laughs> so busy.
3: <laughs> Living
0: in and a tent together. Tent <laughs> that that <laughs> tent that's
3: enchanted and no one else can find it if they don't want them to. Oh,
0: well, Harry's there too, but... <laughs>
3: that's okay. okay anyways so they're fucking,
0: that. they're fucking with the mandrakes the babies don't want to come out of the pots they don't want to go back into the pots just classic baby shenanigans like i want to eat the raspberry and then they eat the raspberry and then they're like i want to eat the raspberry again not the new raspberry the old raspberry
2: like
3: <laughs> you sound uh, what do christina you want? every time you talk about a baby you sound so specific <laughs> i feel like you've had Multiple traumatizing moments with babies. Mirabelle. <laughs> Mirabelle
0: wow. was my... T- okay, I babysat Mirabelle for like seven years from the time she was literally like one week old until she was what? Plus five, five or seven. However many years I said. I'm still friends with this baby. She's like eight now. And first of all, she loved Tatsiki, which I, I like... I'm not a big fan of tzatziki. The smell kind of nauseates me. I'm not a little bitch. I'm not going to be like, are you eating tzatziki? But I would feed her tzatziki and she was like one years old. So it would get everywhere and it would get all up her arms and it would get in her hair and in her nose. And then I would just be like, bath time, don't touch anything. Yeah, and the raspberry thing is also something that happened. (laughs) I love that baby. I love that baby. She's eight now. She's very tall. Um, Um, Okay, so that's the end of herbology class.
2: Well, in a singularly heartwarming moment, we do get from Justin that the Lockhart books he gave to his muggle mother, and it's the reason she's now okay and excited about him being a wizard, which is just so out of left field heartwarming.
0: Um, She's okay with him being a wizard and not going to Eton.
2: I I assume that Eaton was like a Muggle prep school.
0: It is, but it's very good. And so, like, I can, um, it's like a very, I think it's like, it's the only high school I have ever heard of in Britain. So it must be quite good. And so I think it probably was hard to convince her that, like, no, I shouldn't go to high school version of Harvard. I should go to this crazy magic school you've never heard of.
3: That's fair. I also feel like this part with him and his. Like in in this chapter, Harry meets two random people that like just launch into their backstories for no reason whatsoever. No one asked them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Justin and Colin Creevy, and both of them specifically talk about their Muggle lives that they left to come to Hogwarts. So I oh, like they probably think Harry gets it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking of like the fact that J.K. is setting it up for when. Um, uh- Muggle sympathizers. She wants to be
0: a mudblood sympathizer. Well, plus when everyone and when everyone Oh
3: my God. (laughs) Plus when everyone assumes that Harry at some point, spoiler, is opening the Chamber of Secrets as the heir of Slytherin. And so the fact that it's the, you know, Colin gets frozen or, excuse me, petrified. And and then the fact that everyone thinks that Harry was egging the snake on to attack Justin and they're both Mm, muggle-born.
0: Mm-hmm. Mhm. classic who i forget which of our i forget who said this but this book should be titled harry potter and the wrong place at the wrong time like the entire fucking <laughs> book dude
3: just stay <laughs> in your corner. Or, Har- or harry potter and the information that we didn't ask for and didn't need at the time and <laughs> ends up being really important at the end that's true too
1: i want to go back real quick and i'm mad i didn't say it before but with professor um Sprout, there you go at how awesome of a teacher she is and how much of a bad bitch she is when she is saying, four to a tray, there's a large supply of pots here, compost in the sacks over there, and be careful of the venomous tectacula. It's teething. As she gave a sharp slap to a spiky dark red plant as she spoke, making it draw the long feelers that had been inching sneakily over her shoulder. She's pretty aware she's pretty much a bad bitch in that part.
0: She's very bad bitch. I love her a lot. We've talked about Professor Sprout before. She's like a she's like a stoner McGonagall. Like she like uh, <laughs> she doesn't have like the hard assiness, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, of McGonagall. But she definitely is like all business. Like she loves what she does. Yeah. So after uh, Herbology, they go to Transfiguration, where we learn that Ron's wand is not okay. That's really the only thing that happens in Transfiguration.
2: It's not fucking okay. No, the thing that happens is we get the world's worst pun, which is spello tape. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's pretty bad.
0: Spello tape <laughs> because Ron is trying to tape his wand together because it's really <laughs> broken into like two pieces.
1: It's really the worst type of thing to use to fix anything.
2: Yeah, spello yeah, right. tape's not a good tape to no. begin with.
0: They're magic. They don't have good tapes. Um... <laughs> And then Harry is like, why don't you just write home for another one? Your privilege is showing, Harry.
2: (laughs) Okay, Harry knows that his family can't afford that shit. At what point does Harry make the connection that he's like, I'm rich as fuck. I could help.
3: Yeah, just buy him. Whatever. That's like when. Harry still doesn't know
1: how rich he is.
3: No, that's like when I lived with a roommate in South Carolina and he spilled some sort of drink on my laptop at the time. Um, at this time in South Carolina, I was making $395 per paycheck. That's every two weeks. Anyways. So he spilled stuff on my laptop and it broke obviously. And I had to take it somewhere to get fixed. And luckily it was only like $150 to fix. But at that time I was like, well, I'm out of a laptop. Cause I can't do that. And this roommate of mine, I asked him to pay for it. And he told me to just, just ask my parents to get me a new one. Um, Wasn't I, wasn't I going to grad, trying to go to grad school in the fall? Wouldn't they just buy me a new laptop anyways? Oh. And I was like, My God. (laughs) I was like so thrown. I just couldn't even. And he was so upset about having to pay for it. Fuck that guy. But he did. (laughs) Fuck that guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Oh me. All right. So after transfiguration, they go to lunch. We note that Hermione has doodled on her schedule around her classes with Lockhart. Do you guys think that this crush is, like, uncharacteristically silly of her?
2: I actually love everything about it because this is Hermione acting like a 12-year-old girl instead of the, like, weird combo authority disciplinarian and mother figure that she always has to be to these two same-age guys that she pals around with. This is like a nice moment of her behaving like a, like a child of her age. You know what I mean? Yeah,
3: I yeah. agree. I, at first, Christy, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause at first I was bothered by it. Um, because he seems like someone who's definitely, um, not, uh, focused on smarts. Uh, that I said that really stupidly, but um, he doesn't seem like someone that she would He's initially. Not cerebral. Yeah, exactly. He's more about the looks and supposed bravery, but I do. I just like that she has these moments where JK lets her be like a regular girl for a little bit, and it make kind of makes sense. Like I would assume if I thought that this guy had done all these things, that he was also really smart and really talented. So it makes sense to me when I thought about it.
2: Well, and also, like, even really smart bitches occasionally date or have crushes on guys who are just inexcusably dumb.
0: Oh, I dated a guy who, (laughs) two or three months into our relationship, I realized he did not know how to spell my name.
2: I once slept with a guy (laughs) who... (laughs) Literally, as we were driving around, was like, I'm super into plants. Like, you see those flowers over there? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I don't know what they are, but, man, I see those bitches everywhere. (laughs) That
3: was his backup sentence (laughs) for I'm super into plants. Yeah, that was was, supporting sentence.
2: He was like, oh, I know what's going to impress this bitch. I'm going (laughs) to point out these plants that I see everywhere.
3: They were probably dandelions.
0: Those mandrakes right
1: over there. Those mandrakes, just pull them out. And (laughs)
0: that's what happened to him in the first place. That's how he got so stupid.
2: (laughs) This might actually be too crass for even this podcast, but ultimately, the reason I did not go back to his place again was because he had had like two beers at the bar, like not nearly enough. We get out, and he's like, So you don't want to come back to my place? And I was like, "Mm, no, I really don't think I want to do that. Oh, actually, I had made up that one of my friends was in the hospital. Like, I actually texted a friend to call me out of that date. And that's why you don't hook up with people before you go on the date. Um, But (laughs) so we're standing outside this bar on a public street. And he literally looks at me and goes, are you sure you don't want to come back to my place? Because, like, I'm feeling pretty good and I'm totally drunk enough to lick that shit. (gasps) Like. (laughs) yelled it at me in front of a bar on a public street in front of families
3: oh my god (laughs) that that would either obviously bomb as it should for any normal person or really really work out of just like sheer brazenness
2: it's it's just not (laughs) rare enough for me to be like oh that's on the table you know what i mean like it ain't gonna work like that anyhow
1: for at least 10 minutes Okay. That, was his,
2: that was his Hail Mary
3: and he obviously <laughs> he obviously thinks it's very rare if that's what he's gonna throw up at the very end his Hail Mary it's gonna be like mm, well i do that and you're wait, like yeah a
1: minute.
2: <laughs> Wow. so anyhow even smart bitches can go for some r- real dum-dums so wow
0: so we're at lunch okay <laughs> um, we <laughs> ron and harry are just like innocently standing around talking about quidditch for 10 minutes which like i'm not sure exactly what they could be talking about because ron doesn't play quidditch and harry doesn't have any knowledge of like i guess maybe ron is like telling him what he missed with like the professional quidditch circuit over the summer um But Colin Creevy comes up and asks Harry for a picture. I mean, by comes up, I mean he stands there staring at them for like 10 minutes before he gets noticed. And then he feels safe approaching to ask for a picture. He's really quite obnoxious. And and then he's like, will you sign the picture?
2: We do get like a deeply awesome piece of lore here, which is that the reason the pictures move is because of a developing potion. Yes. And that that is is so cool. It's not just that, like, magic pictures be magic. It's a special potion that they develop the otherwise regular photos in in order to get them to the moving wizard photo state.
3: Which is cool, because it answers a question that I didn't even think to ask in the first place, because we haven't seen any sort of camera um, or form of taking a picture, whether it's a camera or not. So,
0: Yeah, so... um So Malfoy overhears this and is like, oh, are you giving out signed pictures, Harry? Yeah, that guy. Would you like to describe that photograph to our listeners?
1: Um, Sure. This is a portrait, a five by seven of Draco Malfoy. (laughs) And it is a beautiful thing that in our household we have hidden in different people's dress of drawers and, you know, beds (laughs) and anywhere. And it scares the hell out of us every time we find it. And then about five days ago, uh, my daughter put googly eyes <laughs> on Draco. It's so and good. it's become the best thing ever. Um, so it sits in the Harry Potter section on my wife's bookshelves <laughs> with uh, right next to Hermione, and he's Googling her the whole time. So.
3: Don't you <laughs> Google my Hermione. <laughs> he
1: you know, her.
3: You know he was doing it for all seven years. <laughs> Wait. Six. When do they leave? During the summer. It's six. Six, uh, foot,
1: yeah. six years. Six. yeah. yeah. Six but it's uh it's a great little you know new centerpiece to our household
0: <laughs> it's magnifique <laughs> so but yeah he's
1: a prick too so
0: yeah he's a prick too draco fucking malfoy um comes up and is like you giving away signed pictures ron as always is just super ready to fight he says eat slugs yikes big yikes on that one because <laughs> we know how that ends next time he says eat slugs Draco's, like, mocking um, Mrs. Weasley and, like, quoting the howler to him. Just really instigating. Um, He also says a signed picture from Harry is worth more than the Weasley's house. So he's like, you better get one, Ron. Yeah, he's really, um, he's a dick.
2: You can tell that that bitch was so proud of the spellotape thing because she uses it again as, like, an adjective where she's saying that he's whipped out his spellotaped taped wand like she couldn't have just said taped she couldn't have just said wand she's real proud of the spellow tape pun and i, I also, just can't let it go
0: i i might be wrong about this but i also think in the uk they don't say tape they just they just say cello tape so oh. I, th- I think maybe that's not in her lexicon to just say tape i will google this later and add an aside indeed they do say cello tape in the uk which is the equivalent of the us's scotch tape they're both just brands. Yay, capitalism. Okay, so then who fucking approaches now? All these fucking crazy assholes. Appro- I mean, Colin Craven's not a crazy asshole, but I'd rather not talk to you. And then Draco, I'd really rather not talk to you. And then for Jesus Christ, Professor Lockhart, fuck off. Um, he hears that Harry's giving out signed photos. Like worst case scenario. Uh so he like swoops in, he saves Harry from this like social faux pas. He's like, take a picture of both of us, it'll be worth twice as much. And then I guess he's a 20s gangster trying to sell newspapers or whatever. You and me are worth the front page. <laughs> so His
1: turquoise it... robe.
0: Yes, very flamboyant. He's gay as hell. I mean, I <laughs> I think that he might be another. I think he I think we talked about this actually. I don't remember who I talked about this with so many friends so many episodes but pretty sure he's a virgin
2: oh very much so yeah
0: pretty sure he's a virgin so like gay i think he's i don't i don't know if he's actually gay he presents real gay
1: from what i can read he's in his late 30s probably early 40s he's had some kind of sexual encounter at some point so he knows what he is i think he, he,
0: I, yeah i think he like probably in school had some encounters
2: I could see him panicking because like, basically his entire career is like, if I can perform a memory charm, then my performance anxiety means nothing. And I could see that carrying over. And I
3: can, I can see him like his whole thing. We talked about toxic masculinity, like in one person, his whole thing is he's trying to act like the ultimate, the ultimate wizard really. And the strongest wizard and all this stuff. So like, I can definitely see him struggling with any sort of sexuality, even if he's straight, because (laughs) he suddenly has to reform actually instead of just by words. Yeah.
2: I think the saddest possible scenario that is immediately what I think I'm going to go with in terms of my head canon is that he's probably not out because he makes all of his money off of being this oh. idealized man to women so i yeah, think he sleeps basically. with guys and then memory charms the memory <gasps> out of them so that he's his secret will never be exposed
3: that oh. makes so much wow. sense and especially out of the guys who some of them who actually did these things in his books that he admits later he memory charmed that out of them so that they wouldn't he fucks them he steals their identity and then memory charms them <laughs> The
1: ultimate just, grifter. Just, yeah. He just high dove off the diving board and jumped in the deep end and went way <laughs> down there. That was crazy. That was good, Well, yeah, that's pretty good. Sense. That's
0: pretty
2: good. Wow. That's our fan theory of the week. Because <laughs> I feel like his agent would never allow him to, like, come out. Yeah, because Mrs. Weasley wow. would be so sad. All of the ladies. Like, that's the point. Like, his yeah. whole persona is built around being this, like, ideal man he got a lot of female fans yeah yeah
0: okay all right well let's
2: move the fuck on now they're all super sad for his closeted sexuality as lockhart separates harry from the situation there's this excellent word choice moment where it says uh a word to the wise harry said lockhart paternally as they entered the building through the side door I covered up for you back there with young Creevy. If he was photographing me too, your schoolmates won't think you're setting yourself up too much. But the word paternally there, because I think we had talked on a previous episode about the fact that like, no one's looking out for this kid. Like part of the issue is that no one is teaching him how to use his fame or how to handle his fame. But also Harry has no father figure. It is the thing he wants more than anything in the world. And the father figure that's enforcing himself is fucking lockhart first case scenario you're better without a dad yeah literally yeah. for
0: sure well and i think the the term paternally is also like it's like it's really performative like i think that lockhart would be like i'm doing this paternally
3: mm-hmm. yeah like he would actually say it out loud
0: yeah he's like
3: as your paternal figure right now
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me tell you
3: which is like such a like in game of thrones if you have to say that you're the king you're yes. probably not the actual king god
0: that's such a good quote i know
3: man um, tywin lannister is
0: one of my favorite characters in the history of Same.
1: so like, well done
0: i learned man. a lot about leadership and power dynamics from him and i'm not even exaggerating
1: okay I okay what, but uh, guess what i'm reading
0: what are you reading game of thrones I'm,
1: yeah I'm oh my trying.
0: god godspeed they, it gets, it gets harder it. and harder every book. <laughs> so Lockhart sweeps Harry away to Defense Against the Dark Arts while giving him this very paternal talk. This is how he starts his Defense Against the Dark Arts class. He points to a book that has his face on it. He says, me, Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five-time winner of which Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. But I don't talk about that. I didn't get rid of the band and banshee
2: by smiling at her.
0: <laughs> just the most performative person. I had
2: immediate aggressive flashbacks to watching 21 year old guys do their first stand stand-up set and just failing to look in the face. The fact that they're bombing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, because right after that, he looks around and it's like, he like pauses for laughter and a few yep. people are like,
2: ha ha and they have to take a fifty-seven, fifty-four question quiz on not anything to do with defense against the dark arts, just Gilderoy Lockhart.
0: Yeah, he takes... It's a three-page quiz of general Lockhart trivia. Um, he, he like, is assessing them in front of the whole class, like, calling people out for not having the right answers. Um, Hermione's the only person who gets full marks, which I'm glad is not unusual for her. If she was a poor student and this is, like, the one thing she did right, um, then that would be weird.
3: But this is... I would expect nothing less from Hermione. I love that he's not only self-absorbed enough to write a 54 question quiz on himself for the first day. But also most of his questions have double answers. Like he wants everyone to know not only what he puts as his answer, but his actual answer too. like so many things have a double answer, like ideal birthday gift, harmony between all magical and non-magical peoples, but also a bottle of Ogden's old fire whiskey. (laughs) And then what was the, what was the other? Um, what was the other question? Oh yeah, Miss Hermione Granger knew my secret ambition is to rid the world of evil and market my own range of hair care potions. <laughs> it's like a beauty pageant.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. There's like the the right answer and then like the the real answer.
2: Mm-hmm. worth noting it's not a secret ambition if it's written in a book and then subsequently able to be answered as a question on a quiz. That is I- a great point
3: man i can just see him writing though like um you know reading one of his books where he's like and my s- most secret most uh important held to the chest ambition is just world peace um but also i would love to start a hair care line
0: <laughs> you know like <laughs> your tone was perfect that was perfect thank you. delivery thank you <laughs> okay so then he whips out the piss, piskies. pixies <laughs> Okay? to <laughs> he, um, he brings out the pixies why am i why is like pisky in my brain right now it's
2: you'll, because that's the spell you'll get so, to it and i want
0: to talk about that but we'll so so he brings out the pixies in a cage he says quote no harm can befall you whilst i am here <laughs> sure <laughs> um <laughs> They're little blue pixies. Um, they sound like budgies, which I had to Google. It's a cute little Australian bird. Very cute. Um,
3: and he lets them go and they wreck the classroom. I love Dean Thomas and Seamus Finnegan in this part. Because they, they're they such a... Um, uh, they're just like such a consistently... They're like fuckboys. Yeah, they're such a consistently <laughs> funny couple of fuck boys like through all the books and they they're just so funny in this part because i could just picture them giggling up at the front of the classroom
0: yeah they're they're in the front of the class and it says at one point that i think seamus's shoulders are shaking with laughter like how do you the audacity <laughs> harry potter and the audacity of this bitch that's a, <laughs> I, I think that's a facebook group that's beautiful i love that <laughs> i didn't imagine it's a facebook group but it wasn't me <laughs> If you've seen the movie, the scene is probably vivid in your mind. Um they the pixies wreck the classroom. Um in the movies they hang up Neville to the chandelier by his robes. That happens in this one too. It does it does. It does. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're just generally wrecking shit. So then so then Lockhart does the spell Pesky Pixie Pesteromi, which is it sounds like a spell that Fred and George would give to Ron to try to prank him before he goes to
3: Hogwarts. Yeah, I just want to break that down for a second because it's just, like, so clearly not – it can't be accurate. Pesky Pixie – that one's obvious. Pester (laughs) no me. Like, pester no me. Like, don't pester (laughs) me. Like, Like, pesky Pixie, don't pester me. It's, like, (laughs) just too right. Um it's like that bitch's
0: Latinate spells are not subtle, but like this is really next level.
3: Yeah.
2: This has got to be a deeply traumatizing moment for Neville because around this time last year, he also had a fall from an iron chandelier uh, in the Quidditch scenario. Uh, so this has gotta be just like one of those moments where history is repeating himself and he's like, It's deja vu, it's the worst deja vu, I'm hanging <laughs> again, it's happening again. It's a
3: tradition. Oh Neville. Of- <laughs> I feel like he's so resigned. Um, I was gonna say this earlier in the part with uh, the Howler that Neville is already at at the age of I'm assuming twelve. He's already so resigned to just being that guy. Yeah. Every time that gets treated <laughs> the worst in any situation. Oh. it's it's Poor good buddy. though for his mental health to just accept that this is Is your it fate. good is it good for him at this point or is it I don't know. Traumatizing? I don't know.
0: It can be both. <laughs> I guess um, so so apparently Lockhart does
3: not even know real spells. Why yeah, did what, Dumbledore hire him? What do you I mean, what do you guys think about that spell? Because I'm assuming that, I don't know, I'm probably assuming too much, but I'm assuming that before he started that, saying that spell, or before he brought out the Pixies, that he had this spell in mind, that he had some sort of exit game decided in his mind, but... this spell is obviously fake, so where did he get it from? Did he think it was real? Maybe he thinks he's, like, inventing spells or something. Like,
0: that's how good he is. Hmm, I no, can see I that.
1: I think he was hoping somebody else would cover it up for him and get it done. And he was like, well, this is out of hand, so let me just try this crap. And it didn't work.
0: It's all part of the facade.
1: Yeah, he's a, it's, He's, he's, he's,
0: he's like, I'll it. act like I know what to do. And then... Luckily, her mining is in this class, and she'll save my ass, <laughs> which she does. Um, yep. The pixies take Lockhart's wand, and he flees, which is like pretty much like <laughs> the worst thing you can do it when you have children in your care is like leave them with dangerous animals and and leave.
1: They've already killed a troll by this point.
0: That's true. They're more than capable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Hermione immobilizes them with a freezing charm and puts them back in their cage very easily. She says, he just wanted to give us some hands-on experience. And to me, this is, I get like this. I'm going to ask again, do you think she's being
3: silly? I would imagine at this point that she is, I'm definitely assuming this because it's not in the book in anywhere, but I, I would assume at this point that she knows maybe a little bit that he's full of shit and that she's, starting to believe it but she's she's defending him because she still doesn't want to think that he's making all this stuff up
2: i would say furthermore aside from the like lockhart effect i think hermione is so predisposed to trust her professors and has sure. a lot of reverence for every single professor at hogwarts so i think that's like a compounding reason why she's like well not only is it this dude but like he's a professor and if he's a professor and he's this dude then surely this is fine
0: she she likes authority for sure. The chapter ends with Ron being the first person to insinuate that Lockhart perhaps has not done all that he says he has done. Which, good on you, Ron. It's funny that Hermione's being a little silly and
2: Ron's being a little serious. Yep, just a little dollop of foreshadowing.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wow. feel like Ron, Ron is a goofy character too and like I feel like when goofy characters are forced to be serious, they can call out other goofy characters like. I don't know. They're they're better at calling out other people who also bullshit. Yeah. Maybe sometimes. Like,
0: I see you. I know what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he knows.
0: Guys, look at my hair right now. It looks like I have, like, a nice boy haircut. I realize the hairstyle to which I refer here is absolutely not a boy hairstyle, but more of a lovely short hairdo that looks incredible on a lot of people of all genders. I'm sorry for gendering fecklessly, I considered cutting that part out, but it leads into a fun conversation. Besides, I think it's important to be transparent about the fact that I, like a lot of other people, am still learning. Or really unlearning. So thank you for bearing witness
2: to my unlearning.
0: I'd be a cute boy. Look at me. Oh my god, so cute.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're like kind of sporting a low-key
1: Draco, though.
0: Oh, I'm into it. Like, I'm not (laughs) mad.
1: let's bring draco back one more time just well he's got more of it going he's got more of it
0: back yeah i think i look more like a justin finch fletchley i don't know i think you're (laughs) like seventh
2: book seventh book late stage draco he ends up with a mid part like an aggressive he gets like actual
0: adult hot and i'm pretty sure the actor was 18 by then so i'm allowed to say that
1: no i said earlier everybody was uh you know picking on neville he got picked up by the pixies and whatnot, but. That is one of the biggest glow-ups of a lifetime right there, huh? He uh, he turns out pretty good at the end.
0: Yeah, the background on my phone used to be that actor in just underwear.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> not afraid to say it, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fairly recently, Tom Felton, which is the actor that plays Draco, who did not age gracefully. His hair got oh real, no. real thin. Oh He's yeah. still trying oh to cling God. to it. It's not great. It um, the same no, thing? oh i thought you were asking if that's who it was i was
0: like no i still love macaulay colkin i've always loved him
2: an equivalent glow down though um yeah but he posted a picture of him standing next to a photo of him in the harry potter movies and was like man like don't you just like wish for those days again and the guy who plays neville longbottom matt lewis my darling responded with a picture of him being like no not really like literally shirtless in his yard just like flexing oh that's yeah. hilarious that's
3: beautiful all
0: right we're at the end of the chapter um does anyone have any like last words about the chapter anything to say cool cool cool, cool 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 cool
1: okay all right well i'll say something uh thank you for having me on i appreciate it i would love to come back and talk about another <laughs> Chapter sometimes. So invite.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It was a pleasure having you. I knew that you were the right person to come on and talk about that prick,
1: Gold prick, dude. <laughs> He's fucking horrible.
0: <laughs> and it only gets worse. <laughs> True. Da, da, da. <laughs> Let's move to some plugs. Brooke, do you want to start us off?
2: Yeah. So um, this week I want to plug one of my absolute favorite comedians. His name is Ray O'Leary. He's a New Zealand comedian. He's on a panel show in New Zealand called Have You Been Paying Attention? You can find him on Instagram at I am Ray O'Leary. O'Leary is spelled O-L-E-A-R-Y. And he's incredibly deadpan. So, so funny. I don't know a single person that doesn't appreciate his comedy. He's definitely worth checking out. You can find me at Passion for Parks on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brook. I'm making an effort to tweet so that it's worth it. If you follow me on Twitter, um, and also be on the lookout soon uh, for the new podcast that I will be hosting for our network, Movie Night Crew Network, called The Cringe Cast. That's still in production, but we should have it out to you really soon. We're really super excited about it.
3: Hell yeah, Mary Payton, your turn. Uh, So I wasn't looking forward to this part of the podcast because I'm still reading what I plugged last time, which was, I don't even know how long ago, the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. And I do still like that book, but it's like so sick and I've had so much work to do that I am just slow on it. I still plug it. It's still great, but it's a very detailed, involved mystery And so it's the kind of thing you really should read if you can read it in big chunks. And I'm almost done with it. (laughs) It's taken me so long. I think that's all I can plug, honestly. Um, Please follow me at Richmond Reads on Instagram. I've got a little quiet uh, when there were, um, well, there was still a lot of Black Lives Matter protests happening because it felt suddenly not as important as a lot of the things that were happening in the world. So I'd still appreciate your follow. And I've started to re-pick it back up again um, and with a bit more of a mind for authors of color and more of the books that really affect our world, especially since it's Richmond Reads. And I want to be more attentive to what the community needs around me. Um, So I'd appreciate your follow at Richmond Reads. But God, that's, you know, like the only book that I could really plug is that one. That's all right. You don't have to
0: keep defending yourself. Your plug's gone on for a really long time. I'm so sorry. I'm
3: so sorry. I should have thought about it ahead of time. Go no, ahead. you did great. You did great. That was great.
0: <laughs> all right, Jason, what do you got?
1: Well, like I said, I'm reading Game of Thrones. I'm going to keep plugging away at that. I'm on book one. Ned, you know, he he's not looking like he's going to last too much longer. But, you know, everyone loves Ned. That's about it. You know, I appreciate you having me on. And I hope I can be back on again.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I have been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at young girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. I too am becoming more active on Twitter. I made my first viral tweet yesterday. I tweeted a quote from another podcast that I like. So it was not even my own original content and they retweeted it and it's gotten a hundred likes. So basically I'm famous now. (laughs) Woohoo! I too have been reading the same book for a hundred years. So I'm going to plug one of my friends. I'm going to plug my friend, Nick. She is on social media. What's her platform. She's just hot and fun. Um, she loves making new friends. <laughs> her <laughs> handle on her handle on Instagram and Twitter is thick Lizzie McGuire. And when you look her up, you'll see why. she's an angel. she's a ray of light, and I recommend following
3: her for body positivity and pastel colors. I follow her too, and I can fully support what you're saying right now.
2: She very recently followed her on all platforms, and it has been a a real burst of rainbows in the middle of my feed every day. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. She doesn't listen to Harry Potter. She doesn't listen to this podcast. She will never, ever hear this. She is going to be on a bonus episode, though, because we needed someone who has never heard anything about Harry Potter before. So if you would Mm -hmm. like to hear Thick Lizzie McGuire, my girl, Nick, then definitely subscribe to our Patreon. With that being said, could you all please kindly get the fuck off of
2: this Zoom call? No, fuck you. Take it over.
0: Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Restricted Pod. You can find us on Patreon.com slash the Restricted Section to get access to bonus episodes, exclusive social media content, monthly bookmarks, and Zoom chats with the gang. You can also find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is The Restricted Section Podcast, and our Facebook group, which is a ton of fun, is called The Restricted Section Detention Crew, so I look forward to seeing you there. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod or shoot us an email at Restricted Section Pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories,
3: or lavish praise. I had actually planned on making a drink, but I had a hard time thinking of one to make. So I um, called my sister, who is a bartender, and she's the one my sister kelly um she's the one who watched the second movie for the first time last night with us and so i was like okay so the chapter's called gilderoy lockhart i was like do you remember him she's like oh yeah and i was like do you like what kind of drink would you make for him she goes um so he's supposed to be gay right and i was like well yeah i mean yeah <laughs> they never say it but like i think like you obviously feel very strongly about that like, let's um- he's gayer than dumbledore <laughs> yeah
0: sure. that's for damn sure <laughs> so she was
3: like uh she was like what about like a vodka spritzer and i was like say it no more don't. yeah that sounds so- good. Right.
0: <laughs> light and fruity right <laughs>